0: Good evening. I'm Mel Hasselbrick at VeritasRadio.com. This week, I'm re-releasing a classic interview. What you're about to listen or re-listen to with fresh ears is one episode that has really aged well. In fact, when it was recorded in 2009, it could have been perceived as ridiculous by someone making outrageous claims that don't pass most people's filters. But through the years, even as recent as a few days ago, some of you from all over the world keep writing to me asking where Sani Sito is and if I could have her back, because what she shared with us in 2009 is coming true, and it's more relevant today than it was then. I'll let you decide. I honestly don't know of her current whereabouts, but I will give it a try. I'll try to seek her out and will let you know if I make contact. I'm taking the week off with my family to celebrate Thanksgiving. I also want to take this opportunity to express my deepest gratitude for your support all these years. And if you're spending Thanksgiving alone, just know I'm thinking of you. And you're never alone when you listen to Veritas. I'll be back with you next week with a new show. Thank you, and enjoy.
1: The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are as a people, inherently and historically, opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings.
0: Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside of this world. We must guard against the military-industrial conflict. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas.
2: Line edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been
0: found and is now in the possession of the Army. I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. The power they took from the people will return to the people. The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. Shall I tell you what I find beautiful about you? You are in charge every fast when things are worse. Sooner or later, though, you always have to wake up. Be skeptical, but don't close your mind.
1: Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of The Veritas Show, where we bring you disclosure, one guest at a time. And if this is your first time, make yourself at home. Tonight's special guest is Commander Sonny Sito, an alien hybrid with a message for humankind. I want to thank all our new Veritas members You are keeping Veritas alive. And now, get ready to spend a night with Commander Sonny Sito, a gray alien hybrid who has a message for humankind. The message may sound harsh at times and the interview may even become heated as we discuss the secrets of the universe. Who are we? Where do we come from? And where are we going? 2012. Who else lives in our solar system? And much more. You're listening to The Veritas Show. This is going to be another show where we have to be skeptical but keep an open mind. We should not believe or disbelieve anything if we have no proof. We can, however discern and draw our own conclusions and that is exactly what I would like you to do tonight in the interest of disclosure for many months a number of people have been asking me to interview tonight's guest I dismissed the possibility more than once however it wasn't until recently when a member of our forum posted a link to a video that I decided to look into this matter further I let people react first before I ventured to watch it And after a few responses, I decided it was time for me to watch it too. My skeptical mind could not make sense of the story. However, as I watched and listened on, I thought it was time to make contact. And I have for the past few weeks. And tonight, she joins us for the first time. Commander Sonny Sito. Hello, Commander Sonny, and welcome to the Veritas Show. Hello. Let me start by saying that I spoke to Commander Sonny yesterday and told her that I, it is important to understand that we as humans experience lies and deceit as part of our growing process. And some of the questions I have for her may sound as if they're coming from a skeptic. Nonetheless, the goal is the same. We don't want to believe, we want to know. This is what this show is all about. First, Commander Sonny. Tell us how you discovered who you are and what's your purpose on this planet. Give us a quick summary of how you, quote unquote, landed here.
2: I had memories when lightning hit our front porch when I was four years old. The memories were in the form of flashbacks, which were like watching a, a movie inside your brain. and was thousands of images of me piloting a vessel with a crew. Sitted around me at consoles. The lightning triggered something in my mind that made me have flashbacks back to a previous incarnation. Previous incarnation happened in several states away from the state I was living in at the time. In the flashbacks, there were severe thunderstorms and we were flying and trying to find a place to land. When our ships all went down. Because I took my face away from the console and lightning hit it, hit our ship, knocked the force fields out. That was linking all three ships together. The flashbacks were very real. They were not imaginary. The lightning served as a trigger point in the recall and the lifting of whatever veil that was over my eyes keeping me blind.
1: So... Let's go back to before you incarnated here. Well, actually, after. How was life growing up on planet Earth?
2: Living on planet Earth is like living in a hellhole. Too much crime, too much hate, too much intolerance, too much prejudice, too much narrow-brain and narrow-minded labeling where it shouldn't even be done. My life was was full of severe mental and physical and sexual torture and abuse, which is why I don't trust people.
1: Now, take us back to when you were born here. Where were you born?
2: Born, born uh, to me, the word born means smelly, painful, and ugliness. I was incarnated. I wasn't born. That's an animalistic thing.
1: But... You, as a baby, did you have to go through the whole birthing process from a mother?
2: I was taken from my mother's womb before I was incarnated.
1: Oh, okay. Now, explain to us the process.
2: They take a woman aboard a ship and put her on a table, and they remove the fetus at about four or five months of your gestation and put it in a glass cylinder. Uh Uh-huh which is filled with an amber-type liquid that allows it to to get all the nutrients that is required from it. It is an artificial womb, which is why your medical profession has been trying to perfect, but they have never perfected it yet because it's new to them.
1: And how long does the gestation process last in that system?
2: About five of your months.
1: So when you were placed inside, let's call it the container with the amber-looking liquid, how many, and I know it's difficult for you to use the concept of time, how old was the fetus when he was placed in the container?
2: Approximately four or five of your months.
1: So in other words, it takes more or less the same time for you to be incarnated, about nine to ten months.
2: Approximately, yes.
1: Okay. So after the nine to ten months, what happened to you as a baby? How did they transport her or you to your earth mother, if you will?
2: The female unit is brought back aboard the ship, and she's kept in a certain room. And one of the nurse attendants brings the fetus out and places it in her hands, and she is made to bond with it. And the nurse and them tell her by telepathy... This is your child. You must bond with this. It needs love in order to thrive and to grow. My host mother did not want me. She tried to kill me many times.
1: She started attempting to kill you.
2: She tried to against the wall of the ship, and Kinyo stopped her.
1: And Kinyo, for the listeners, who is Kinyo?
2: He is my, who I consider to be my father.
1: You are half gray, Through your father Kenyo, and half human through your Native American mother, is that correct?
2: That is correct, though I disown any side of my mother.
1: Of course, because she tried to kill you.
2: Not only that, but she was a druggist, a druggie, and into alcohol.
1: Now, why, why would your Earth mother be chosen? Why would she be chosen to be your mother if they knew she had a predisposition to drug and alcohol abuse.
2: She was implanted when she was a little girl. I see. The microchip implant in her.
1: And that's why they followed her as a mission to to keep you as, as your mother.
2: You guys here on Earth and microchip animals as a way to track their location and what they do and stuff?
1: Right, but then why... Were not the let's call them guides. If she was implanted with a microchip or an implant, why wasn't she followed to per- perhaps give her guidance not to get into the into drugs and alcohol?
2: Because on this earth, people have the choice of free will to do what they want.
1: Very interesting. And in your in Kenya, your father's civilization, you don't because you have what's called the hive concept. Correct.
2: That is right. Everybody is ruled by the hive. And therefore, there's no war or none of the other ugliness you have on this backward planet.
1: Well, but isn't not having free will taking your independence and taking uh, choices away from you, in a way?
2: In a way it is, but also it cuts down on murders and other things that people do on a whim.
1: So for those who are listening... When we talk about a hive, let's imagine a beehive. Can we use that uh, comparison without offending uh, your race, uh, Commander?
2: We are a beehive because we are social insects. We are related to the bees and the ants on Earth, but we are far more advanced and much larger than them.
1: So, of course, the bees have the queen and the ants have their queen. In your case, explain to me how it works. The
2: queen is the Kagush, who is the supreme leader over all the hives.
1: Now, are there many queens, or is there one queen for all the hive?
2: No, there is many queens that are ruled under by the supreme ruler or Kagush queen. These other queens uh, are in charge over their own colonies. It's like a hierarchy.
1: Right. Explain to me the hierarchy so we can understand it from the, from the top to the bottom.
2: At the top is the kagush, which is the mantis-type people who are descended from the queen. And from the mantis-type people, there is the working class or the worker caste, whose jobs it is to build the ships and to go to different planets and to study. They are also known as the scientists and astronaut. The other cast that are on our world are types of workers that build the cities and stuff.
1: So would you say that everyone has a job to do and they are born with that job description, if you will?
2: Everybody, when they have a place in our society and everybody has a task that they do and they don't question their task. It is a very rigid culture.
1: Would you say that you had something to do with the creation of the Hindu religion and the caste system?
2: The Pleiadians were also involved in that. Not just our people, it was others that helped.
1: Now, you grew up in the South, in in, in North Carolina, am I right?
2: I am not allowed to disclose the exact location.
1: Okay. And out of curiosity, why would that be if it's only a state? I'm just referring to a state, not an exact location.
2: I'm tired of getting death threats from idiots.
1: Okay. So you grew up in the United States, somewhere in the United States.
2: So I'm not the location out.
1: No, that's fine. But you moved in certain places, and during the offline communication that you and I have had, you mentioned that you grew up in bases. Are those military bases?
2: They're not nut house spaces. Right. Besides, right. called mental hospitals, and I'm not no, no freaking kook.
1: Okay, just, just I, I want to let you know that the purpose of my questions are not to put you on the defensive. I just want to be able to uh, give the listeners an idea from point A to point B where we are now so that everybody knows what you've gone through from the time you were incarnated until now. I'm not doing this to to demean you or to cause any harm. I say this in the most complimentary way. Do you understand?
2: I understand.
1: Okay. Because I sense defensiveness coming from you and I want you to be aware that I'm I'm not here to ridicule you.
2: Because I'm tired of, of them bashing me all the time when I have not done one thing to them.
1: I agree. You- and
2: They act like fools. They don't have no intellect, or they wouldn't be doing what they do.
1: Look, it takes somebody to walk in your shoes 100% in order for them to judge you. So anybody that doesn't know who you are, just don't listen to them. Let's just focus on this interview today, and let's try to educate the world, okay? It's
2: hard to educate the world when it doesn't want to open its eyes.
1: Well, let's not generalize. There's very good people out there that are concerned about your well-being And they have sent uh, lots of good questions because they want to know. They don't trust the establishment and they would like to listen to a different opinion. So let me go back to the video that we all saw. A lot of the people that are listening to me now are listening because they they were referred to the video that most people watched. The first thing that really caught my attention, Commander, from watching the video, you warned us that there will be, let me call it a false flag event in which there will be a manufactured pandemic and the military will get involved to administer vaccines when in reality the vaccines will carry a microchip you said that in 2004 am i right
2: that is correct and that is in reference to the so-called beast or supercomputer that is currently being made by your militaries it will usher in the new world order where there'll be only one form of government Those who refuse to take the microchip, which will be a way to track everything you do, everything you buy, everything you say, you will be tracked. You will be recorded because the microchips have coded numbers in them and everybody has their own unique number. You already have something out there called Verichip, which is a precursor to this news chip that would be almost microscopic, so it can be injected by a syringe, along with a so-called vaccine.
1: Now, how did you know this back then in 2004? I heard a number of people talk individually about FEMA camps. I heard people talk about uh, vaccine mandatory vaccinations. I heard people talk about...
2: about this.
1: You had a premonition of this. Tell me more about that.
2: The premonition, which was in the form of a. Of a movie in my head, when I dream, it is vivid dreams in color. In the dreams, I saw people being herded up. It was like the world or your nation was under martial law or some kind of some kind of quarantine, and they were making everybody go to these clinics and stuff and get these shots because they said there's some flu or some superbug had been released over the cities And the way that I saw in the premonitions how it was released, it wasn't released naturally. The illnesses didn't evolve naturally. They were grown and seeded in culture mediums in secret military bases as a form of bioterror agent. And they were inoculated and grown And planes flew over all these major cities and sprayed chemtrails that were seeded with these vaccines and stuff or things to make people get these illnesses to require these vaccines that had the microchips. Those who did not get the implant were hunted down and either killed or they were put on special boxcars that were sent to certain staging locations where they were tagged. They were given a second chance at at the centers to get the microchip. If they refused, they were killed. And these cars I saw were long silver cars on tracks. They had windows on them. Inside the cars were like benches where you sit. And you, you face the window, and you you can stick your head out the window. As soon as you stick your head out the window, you chop. Off goes your head.
1: Now explain that. Almost like a guillotine?
2: Yeah. It, these are like concentration camps that they will be setting up soon. Government don't want people knowing about this stuff, but the premonition was so real. It scared me. It was so vivid.
1: Now, when did you have this premonition? What year? Do you remember?
2: It was prior to to that video.
1: So around 2003, 2004, is that when you had the premonition?
2: Somewhere around now.
1: Okay. Now, everybody has heard about FEMA internment camps, FEMA trains, etc. It's almost as if Everything is falling into place. Before I called you this morning, I was reviewing the, the wires, and a few websites have prepare for H1N1. So it's almost back in it.
2: Swine flu, which is not yeah. also naturally occurring, but was also grown in a laboratory.
1: Why was Mexico chosen as the epicenter, supposed epicenter of this swine flu?
2: for the most part considered a third world country because of the poverty and the economic status. Mexico is not as wealthy as the United States and the United States have more power but they can get away with doing something like that without being detected. But I will say that's not the conventional government who's behind it. It's the shadow government who rules the so-called normal government that you see every day.
1: It's the invisible hand behind the government. Yes,
2: the, the ones that are even higher than the presidents are.
1: So you're telling me now that our president-elect is only an illusion for us. He actually does not rule. Someone else rules behind him. Explain to me the system that rules our governments. It
2: is a secret government that has been in power for many eons. It was set up by the reptoids when they came here and enslaved this planet and its people. The presidents and them, which is why they're not allowed to bring out disclosure, is they have all been threatened that if disclosure was to come out that not only they would be terminated, but the reptoids would kill all the humans on this planet. Because The Reptoids' rule is to enslave others and to keep knowledge from them. In other words, to make people as sheeple. This shadow government rules over all the governments on Earth, not just this nation. The Reptoids set up this government when they came here eons ago. They are the ones who did the genetic splicing on the humans and messed with their DNA, making them become warlike. And it also did something to their brains to make them follow anyone who is a leader that is under the control of the secret government. The secret government is connected to many organizations such as the Illuminati and that. They are all ruled by the ground reptoids who gave rise to the so-called myth of Satan on this planet. This secret government, no president can question the secret government or they are silenced. Whatever the leaders you have now, they are ruled by the secret government.
1: Does the name Rockefeller and Rothschild, are they synonymous to the secret government?
2: They are connected to the secret
1: government. How so?
2: Through the bloodlines, the draconian bloodlines, the Orion bloodlines, which are the reptoids. They have kings and queens over in Europe. They are all linked together, and they are all a part of this shadow government that runs the main government, but they're in the background, invisible or cloaked. They are the ones that are behind all the secret programs on Earth that are called black projects.
1: So people like Rockefeller and Rothschild, just to, to pick two as an example, why do the reptoids need those figureheads? Why don't the reptoids come out and, and rule us if they're actually ruling us indirectly?
2: Because these highly named people are really not even human to begin with, they're shape shifting to appear as human like other reptoids do on this planet. You see, if humans can't tell who's ruling them or who's making the decisions, but they don't question, they don't stand up. And so, therefore, there's order is maintained, and you become a sheep. You follow the, the shepherd and do what he says without question.
1: Well, isn't that a little bit of the hive mentality, when you become sheeple?
2: That's what they want. They want you to be like a hive here, but it, it's different. It, they, they don't want you to know anything. If they keep people all dumbed down and in little boxes, but they're too scared to question anything other than the reality that they're familiar with.
1: They want us to be hives.
2: Yes, in the same way with these illnesses. They want everybody to believe, oh, this is a natural occurring thing. When you take an aircraft and fly it over a major city, think of all the people on the ground. You disperse all that aerosol stuff mixed with the, being that it's inoculated with the germs and stuff, you can't help but breathe that stuff in, and therefore you get sick. That is a good way to cause a pandemic on a planet, is to fly a jet overhead and spread release it by a chemtrails so it can fall down to the ground and everybody breathes it, and you'd have massive kill off of a number of people who would get sick and die.
1: Now, how, if that's what's happening, and I've been following the chemtrails for, for many years now, if that's what's happening, how do we as humans supposed to circumvent their intentions?
2: By educating, by making people aware that there's something going on by getting the message out. Even on your television, I was watching television and a commercial came on. They even have chemtrails in the commercial as a form of subliminal conditioning to make people get used to this being a normal thing. So they use conditioning or subliminal programming by putting something like that in a commercial So people think it's, oh, well, it's just a common event. Don't pay no attention to it, like, sort of thing.
1: Right. You know, I talk to family members and friends about the fabricated swine flu. And, of course, everybody looks at me as if I'm crazy, conspiracy theorist. But then I play them videos that are available to anybody who wants to watch them. If you go to YouTube, put swine flu 70s. And you will see how in the 70s, the governments of the world tried this once, and it failed.
2: The governments have been using biological and chemical warfare against the populations of this planet since the 1930s through the 40s, and they're still continuing it today. They do tests or exercises they don't want people to know about.
1: But why is it that people, when you show them that the government's tried this in the 70s, and they even show people who were inoculated and had severe brain damage, some became paraplegics, and so on, and people just think, no, that's probably a fabricated video that you're showing me. They don't believe it. They don't want to believe it. They're almost like sheep, sheeple. They're so mentally programmed that when they go to the slaughterhouse, they'll still believe they're caretakers. Are acting in their best interest.
2: Cause that is because of years and years of programming and conditioning to accept. Oh, your government does not do that to your to your populations. Your government is for the people, and therefore would not test things on its own population. Well, that's not true. That's a form of conditioning. If they can keep you in a little box where you don't question what the government does or anything else, then you're easier to control, you're easier to manage. So life just goes on smooth and clean with no hitches in the system. But when someone stands up and points out that some kind of test is being done over the city and hundreds are getting sick for no reason and so suddenly, because a natural pandemic would take months to spread and develop, but now with your planes and stuff, someone can get sick in one country and go to another and infect others because distance is short now with your technology. And these illnesses naturally take time to evolve and grow and replicate. But when a plane flies overhead spraying chemtrails, thousands of people can be instantly exposed to the pathogens that are causing the the swine flu and avian flu and every other type of designer bug they're creating in these labs.
1: Designer bug, I like that.
2: Yeah, the designer bug. They can make bugs and spray it over an area to affect certain types of people whose immune systems would not be as developed enough to handle it, like, say, Europeans or someone who have a, a natural resistance a a bug or something
1: like that. Since when have we been using chemtrails to spread not only disease, but you know, there's barium and there's aluminum and and other chemicals. Those
2: those chemicals right there, barium and aluminum, can cause Alzheimer's and cause breathing disorders that can mess up the heart. They can cause all kinds of exotic ailments to occur. But the Doing the chemtrail stuff, I remember started seeing them in the 80s, openly started paying attention to them.
1: And did you question back then? You said those are not contrails. They're, they're not condensation trails. They're chemical trails.
2: A contrail is just vapor. Yes. Ice and vapor, and that dissipates after it leaves the exhaust of a plane these come from the wings meaning there are tanks inside the plane's wings that are releasing through nozzles releasing the aerosol mixture and therefore these spread out and will soon cover the whole sky and the sky will go from blue to milky white
1: yes and you that, being in the, and the desert
2: I'll taste metal in your mouth Normal contrails do not give you a metallic taste or make you have allergies or sneeze or cough or have runny eyes. I started questioning them when I became aware of them. I knew that it, was, it had to be a huge group involved, many governments involved, because it's too massive an operation for one nation to do.
1: I remember visiting Mexico, sitting at the beach, and watching an airplane spend hours going back and forth, blocking the whole small town. Clear skies turn overcast in just a matter of hours. But the interesting part was that the airplane would stop releasing whatever it was spreading when the town line stopped, almost as if it wanted to cover the populated areas only.
2: Yes, I've seen that too. And when, when I would see that checkerboard within an hour or so, those lines spread out to the whole sky was white. Someone sits in there and can just hit a button and turn the tanks on and off at will.
1: I've heard that now normal commercial aircraft are equipped with that and satellites that is, are turning them on. Is that correct?
2: That is true. And also the major, some of the major pharmaceutical companies are involved in the manufacture of the powder that is mixed in the tanks. You know, you create illness. That creates a market for medicine.
1: Exactly. It's a duality world, isn't it? You you have war, then you have you create a defense defense operation. You you need energy, well, you bring it with the oil and charge the people. You create diseases and you have um pharmaceuticals to provide the treatment. Bear in mind that I don't say the cures, the treatment.
2: And it creates an industry that is dependent upon it.
1: It seems as if the pharmaceutical companies focus their research and development to go into treatment of disease, but not cures. It's a business. Cures are detrimental to their business plan, unless they create a new disease to replace the lost income. If more people understood this, they would understand why a fabricated pandemic is not that far-fetched. And what a golden opportunity to microchip the population. Problem, reaction, solution. You invent a problem, the flu pandemic People react, oh my God, we're all going to die. And the savior, the government, provides a solution. The vaccine. Oh, and while you're at it, go ahead and microchip my family and I so that we could all lose whatever's left of our freedoms. So what's your opinion as to why we hardly find any cures lately?
2: Because the people of this earth do not get to the bottom of what really causes the illness to begin with. They think it's easier to treat the symptoms, and to go inside and treat the cause of the illness. The cause of the illness can come from pollution or genetic malfunctions within the cells. It can come from the water and the food and the chemicals you eat and drink.
1: But don't you think it's in the best interest of the pharmaceutical companies for that status quo to remain?
2: I guess in a way, because it would give them a market.
1: Exactly. Now, what will the microchip actually do to the human body and the human psyche? It
2: will not really have an effect on the physical body, but it's mostly there to track and monitor your whereabouts, what you're doing, when you go to bed, what you eat, who you talk to, all that, because it will be placed in an area where it will be right near the brain, so it can tap into the neurological processes.
1: So what areas of the body will the quote-unquote, vaccination, where will the needle go through? What part of the body?
2: It will go in your hand, the palm of your hand, or in your forehead.
1: And I hear that I questioned this because a few weeks ago I heard that Australia was buying almost double the size of the population in vaccines. And I asked why, and it's because they're going to probably do double the dosage.
2: That sounds like overkill.
1: Yes. Why would that be?
2: More vaccine than what you need. If you don't have that large of a population, that's, that would be overkill. To me, that almost like they're hoarding.
1: Right. Exactly. Now, if, quote-unquote, they, and when I say they, I mean the establishment commander, know who you really are, why would they allow you to live in regular society?
2: Because, number one, when I was released from the bases, they slapped a label on my head and told me, oh, if you talk, no one will believe you anyway because you're schizophrenic or you're delusional or you're crazy. Those bases are real.
1: When you say you were released, when was the, how old were you and when was that?
2: I was a young adult when I was released. They got all the information they needed for their study on hybrids and stuff, and so therefore I was I was taken into a room one day where all these doctors were sitting at tables. They were military people. They had on uniforms. And they said, everything you've ever seen here, everything you've ever done, this is not real. None of this has happened. None of this is real. And I remember this one doctor, I call him the bad doctor, he smoked a pipe and would blow smoke in my face, and he always wore a white jacket, and he had a bow tie, and he had hair on his chin, and he wore glasses. He's the one who would interrogate me for hours when I was little, asking me stuff about, about space travel and stuff. And you don't ask some little six-year-old about space travel, because a little six-year-old don't have the intellect to comprehend stuff like that.
1: Now, that but, person, was he... Dr. J. Allen Hynek?
2: I do not know his name, but I remember once I got to go to a museum in New Mexico with some friends. Yes? A friend of mine took me up against a wall. I don't think they have it there, but there was a whole row of pictures. And she said, do you recognize any of these men in the pictures? And all of a sudden, I started having a flashback to when I was little and I said, "That's the evil doctor right there. He's the one that did the test on me. And if I didn't answer a question the way he wanted it answered, he took this thing that was like a pen out of his pocket, and he held it up to my chin, and I'd get an electric shock."
1: I don't know why I'm getting a feeling. If you saw the picture at a UFO museum in Roswell, that yes, I've heard that about four times. That is J. Doctor J. Allen Hynek. I mean, your description, it fits it. I mean, glasses, uh, a a goatee, uh, the pipe, etc. He
2: was. He was very hateful. He was in charge of this program to get all the information they could about crash saucers and hybrids that were living on Earth. I was put in the bases when I was about four years old. It was shortly after the lightning hit.
1: So, in other words, you didn't spend that much time with your Earth Mother?
2: No. My mother took me to a pediatrician once, and my grandmother told me this stuff. And said that I had a saucer baby, meaning a baby born on a UFO. Back in the 50s, they called them flying saucers. Yes. And I was a so-called product of her abduction.
1: hmm You did have a good relationship with your grandmother, right?
2: I remember my grandmother... Setting me on her lap, and she had her scrapbook open and showing me drawings and stuff of my father and saying, in her culture, these are the people that, that use the silver canoes that fly across the sky. In the Native American terms, a silver canoe would be analogous to a flying saucer. Right. Out of the shape and all that.
1: Now, Commander, why is there such a strong connection between the Native Americans, multiple tribes in the United States, and probably worldwide, with the aliens?
2: Because they are more open-minded, and in their culture, the legends speak freely about interactions between ETs and them, because, number one, they are the caretakers of Earth, and they respect the Earth and its living things. They are more connected to nature than other people are. They are more in tune with the higher energies and frequencies that the ETs vibrate to. And they have not allowed themselves to become conditioned like the Europeans have. Many cultures have had contact with ETs over the development of their history.
1: Now I have three questions that I always wanted to ask someone like you. Who are we? Where do we come from? And where are we going?
2: Overall, the humans of Earth come from many different planets, but they are predominantly Pleiadian in origin. You're a species who are trying to learn and trying to understand and trying to grow. You're trying to reach out for new things, but you can't attain them yet because your level of advancement is is not strong enough or high enough yet. As to where you are going, that depends on what your consciousness tells you to do as a group. If your people here on Earth want to fight each other and kill each other off in wars or conflicts, it's just going to get worse and worse, and pretty soon you'll have a war to end all wars. But if you're a people who know love and peace and want to, solve problems diplomatically instead of war, then there's hope that your people can evolve to that level that other planets beyond here have evolved to. You don't evolve by killing and fighting among your neighbors. You only de-evolve. And you don't evolve with blinders on your eyes, which is what a veil is. You remove that veil and you undo your conditioning that you've had to have for many years here in order to fit in. And you open your eyes and you see reality around you without questioning that reality. And therefore, just like, I know I probably shouldn't bring this up, it's like the concept of a god on this planet. People believe in that without any proof at all. If they knew that this god was really an extraterrestrial But that would change the way they think because then they would have to view UFOs also as gods. Because the UFO people created all this planet in other worlds. The humans of Earth came here from many different planets, but that was erased from their memory early in their evolution by the Reptoids.
1: If you are a hybrid, reincarnated hybrid, are there others, or incarnated actually, are there others like you on planet Earth now
2: scattered all over the planet doing many of your different nations i 'm not the only one here. there is many that are here
1: so if the lightning triggered your first flashback then yes, are, then are there other hybrids or hybrid incarnates here without knowing why what they are since they probably haven 't had the same type of accident that triggered your flashback
2: and also i will add that i was hit by lightning as a teenager as well so i've had two events with lightning that served as as um things to make me more aware of my mission these other hybrids that are on your earth right now are so-called asleep A lot of them are not awake to who they are because they've been so conditioned and they have a veil over their eyes, which prevents them from knowing who they are and prevents them from accessing their memory. And they've been so conditioned to think as human and act as human that they would not even believe that they're hybrids to begin with. But when you ask them where they're from, they can't tell you. You ask them... About their culture, they can't tell you. It's because they have a veil over their eyes that blinds them from knowing who they are and where they came from.
1: Would that be considered a form of social or mind control?
2: Yes. And a lot of hybrids who say, people who say they're hybrids, a lot of them have been so conditioned and brainwashed by the conditioning that they've shut their minds off are and and what they're a part of. They become too human, and they have therefore lost their identity. And I want to make something clear, that ETs are not disembodied souls of the New Age movement, and I'm against the New Age movement, by the way. A lot of that is false. When you go up on a ship, you go physically. Like when you go to get on an airplane or the bus, you go physically. I don't buy a lot of those other people's stories when they say, oh, I leave my body, that's bull crap. And I'm sorry, I tell it like it is.
0: Yes, I like that.
2: And I will, I will mention one thing. If I wouldn't have had the experiences that I have had myself, I would be debunking this whole subject left and right. Well, I've had real events. I have seen many, many things that cannot be attributed by your science. When my father walked into the room when I was a little baby and levitated me out of that crib, he was real. He was flesh and blood like you are. And he levitated me out of the crib physically. I was in midair. And I remember my father saying, that man on the bed is not your father. I am your father, and I knew him.
1: Well, Do you have any, and I'm going to start asking you questions that people have submitted for this show, Commander Asani. Do you have any distinguishing features other than what is in your mind that would hint at you being a hybrid? Or are you in a completely homo sapiens sapient body?
2: My body is genetically half gray and half human. I have a long, narrow face. I have albinism. Those are traits of a, of a gray hybrid.
1: If you have been tested so much in military facilities, do you have any idea what any of the data that has been recorded concluded to the quote-unquote government scientists?
2: They destroyed all that stuff when the program was over.
1: When you say the program was over, what, does it mean that there were other hybrids at the same time with you being studied?
2: Yes, there were other hybrids there. I can remember one, in particularly, I went up to the glass window. It was a huge glass window that separated the rooms, and I put my hand up to the glass, and he put his hand up to the glass, and he, he looked almost like me. He had snow-white hair, and he was... Very white skin. And when I put my hand up to his hand, I started seeing images of my home world.
1: Tell us about your home world. Describe it for us.
2: It is a binary star system, meaning we have two suns instead of one. The planet is mostly desert. It is a little bit larger than your Earth. It has three moons.
1: Is it Seda reticuli?
2: the name that your astronomers call it. it is The planet is Serpo Jedi J-A-D-U-I. All now, the other planets in that system are referred to as Serpo because Serpo means planet in carbon.
1: Now, you are probably familiar with the Betty and Barney Hill story.
2: Yes, I'm very familiar with that because I know this may sound crazy and I don't really care what people think, but me and my dad, we participated in that event. You see, when you are a hybrid, you shapeshift. When I go aboard ship, I shapeshift into my true form as a gray. Plus, I am age-progressed when I go aboard a ship. So therefore, if I go aboard a ship when I'm a little child, I am automatically age-progressed to an adult gray where I'm a scientist and I take genetic material from people such as abductees and stuff for testing. Part of my job was to retrieve the subject or what we call the unit and bring them aboard the craft. This was before I was a commander. I started out as a technician, which is the lowest class of worker on the ship. Their job is to take the subjects to retrieve them and bring them aboard a the ship for the medical exam. I remember an event one night where Dad said, you've got to come, we need your assistance on board ship." So I shape-shifted and went up on the vehicle, and I was in my true form, and I wanted no child. And I saw this couple up there that were different. One was dark and one was white. They were scared, and my job was to calm them. By holding my hand over their face and sending an energy to calm them while the exams were done.
1: What was the purpose of that abduction, the exam?
2: To see if someone was carrying a fetus.
1: You mean Betty, of course.
2: And to also check the status of the man that was with her. This person had contact earlier in her life when she was a child. So therefore she was implanted as a young child. And I know you may think I'm crazy what I'm saying, but I don't really care anymore what people think.
1: Nobody's saying that, Commander. I'm listening very attentively here. I just want to connect the dots because Betty had explained and described the Seta reticuli system, and she, she was doing drawings of the two sons in that binary system. So that's why I but wanted to ask home, you that.
2: Well, refer to those two sons S-T-U-N-A-G-I.
1: Now, you mentioned the word Serpo.
2: Yeah, Serpo means planet in Kelvin.
1: Okay. There is a website, you probably remember, uh, Project Serpo. It's the the alien human exchange that took place in the 50s, if I'm not mistaken. Is that something that you have uh, looked upon? I did
2: not look upon it on your internet if that's what you're referring to.
1: That's correct. A few, I believe there were 12 humans that went to Serpo, and some aliens stayed here with us. An exchange program. Some died, some stayed, and some returned.
2: This so-called exchange program. These scientists were not allowed to roam at will about the, on the surface of Serpo. They were kept quarantined in special living containments. They were kept in their own little colony. They weren't allowed to go out and mingle among the population. Of course. But they could not be trusted.
1: Do I sense that you're being channeled information as you are talking to me?
2: My dad is helping me because I am being blocked from a lot of this. Because my council does not want some of this stuff revealed. The way that I'm so-called being channeled It's because my council is watching and my dad is watching.
1: Well, please tell your, your father that I appreciate his assistance because my job is just to serve as a bridge to to educate and allow your knowledge to be disseminated. Can you do that for me?
2: I can do that. You see, my people do not want no more harm to come to me.
1: No, and we don't, also don't want any I'm harm with, going to you. I Go was ahead. I
2: reluctant to come on here.
1: You, I'm sorry, can you repeat that?
2: I said I was very reluctant to come on here.
1: To come on the show? Yes. Well, I'm hoping that what I'm asking you, and, and from the people, we just want to to know, and we also want to make sure that you are all right. Most of the messages I'm getting are well-wishing messages, by the way.
2: Sometimes I have to have so-called channeled information through my transponder to help me with this stuff.
3: Yes, yes.
2: transponder behind my ear that is like a macaroni. Mm-hmm. Baller's macaroni, I'm sure. Yes. The little tiny elbow macaroni.
3: Yes, yes.
2: I had that put behind my ear when I was about three or four in the bases.
1: And that is placed by our own, by meaning humans, not your own, correct?
2: Placed by the scientists that worked at the base. They had me on a steel table, and the doctors turned my head, and the others held me down. And he took this real long syringe... And stuck me behind my ear, and it hurt. I can remember that room very well. It was everything was like platinum or silver, and there were there were like uh, cabinets that had glass doors on them with medicines and stuff. And as they turned my head to give me that injection, there was this large plate glass window like that looked out over what I call like a factory like. This was at a so-called airport place where planes and jets were landed. Regular hospitals do not have aren't like a huge airport with all kinds of aircraft all over the place.
1: I want to ask you about that airport uh, slash base, for, but before you continue with that, I had Whitley Strieber on. You know who Whitley Strieber is?
2: I'm familiar with that name. I remember... Several years ago in your time, I had wrote to Mr. Strieber about my events, and he refused to answer or comment. Instead, all he wanted to talk about was his cabin in upstate New York. He did not want to listen to what I had to say.
1: Maybe I'll I'll pass along this audio clip so he can listen. He was in in this show a few weeks ago, and he recounted the... I don't want to call it a mile up, a military abduction, but he had some people from Earth that put a an implant behind his ear as well.
2: And by the way, the military do, is is responsible for a lot of these abductions. I, when you're three or four, how could you read Ridley Strieber to know that information? Yes. I mean, you can feel behind my head, and you can feel that. I don't. I don't come on here to pretend to make up lies if, if you're suggesting I'm hoaxing something to pull off something. Well, you're wrong.
1: Commander, let me just interrupt you for one second. I, would, I believe that my listeners will totally agree with me that nothing I have said is, is indicating that I'm thinking that this is a hoax. I'm just telling you a story. I'm telling you that Whitley Streber was on with me, and he shared with me the same situation, and others have too. So I'm just saying that obviously this is happening to many people.
2: The only thing I know about Streber is I watched a movie that he made. Communion. Yes, and he was very inaccurate about some things on that movie. Number one, the grays don't split their skins down the back like a grasshopper and climb out of it. That was incorrect.
1: Now, let's just talk one second about abductions. Why are abductions that are performed by aliens done?
2: Well, it's like this. Long before you came to Earth, you or any other human, long before you came to Earth, you agreed to help the greys to prolong the the existence of their species. And in return, your species would benefit by your prolonged existence by the mutual helping of both species. Abductions, for the most part, the humans agreed to give their genetic material to help the grave, therefore creating a race or species that would have the characteristics of both races that would be able to survive the planetary changes that are to occur on this planet.
1: So the bottom line is that those abductions are done with positive intent. Is that what you're saying?
2: Yes, and I will say something else, that a lot of these other abductions that are going on, where the people want to blame the grays for these abductions and say they're negative abductions, that's really not grays. It is reptoids who are shape-shifting to appear as grays and commit painful abductions on humans that's really reptoids disguising themselves
1: so the real grays, the real abductions from the grays, we could put a comparison it's like if you and I are driving on the highway and we see a turtle crossing the highway we stop the car we grab the turtle to move it to safety the turtle is going to probably pee because it's scared and the turtle will not know that I'm trying to help it is that the, the same
2: In a way, she would be going through an abduction.
1: Exactly. Because
2: you are an advanced being. You come in a vehicle. You picked a tortoise or turtle up. You abducted her. Then you release her. Yeah, and also I would add that the turtle might start having nightmares or dreams about the event that happened. And she'll probably dismiss them as something she ate or something she drank. Until she finds a mark on her, that might be like from a needle or something. Yes. That's the same analogy as if you're fishing and you catch a fish and you take it out and you tag it and then release it. Yes. The fish would go back to a school or whatever and say, these creatures took me out of the water and put these things in me and released me. The other fish are going to laugh at that fish saying, oh, that's not true because there's nothing here but us in the water. That's the same the thing with
1: abduction.: The fish doesn't know what's outside the water. That's a great analogy, by the way. Yes. Now, Commander, why are humans here? Are we just an experiment? It seems that you are stuck against your will in a human body. It seems this life has been very painful for you to be here.
2: Now, but why? One thing, I do not consider myself human. Because number one, to me, the humans are defective for the most part. They're warlike in the reptoid, Their DNA is over half reptoid. I don't consider myself human because to me that's defective. I consider myself as e t which is superior
1: well, but that...
2: they have evolved beyond war unlike the reptoids
1: well, when you use the word superior, and I apologize if I'm sounding as if I'm stating that that sounds a little bit. Arrogant. do
2: have no war. I understand. They don't have
1: but don't That's you could, what I mean. You could say that you're different, but when you say superior, it makes people like me and my listeners believe that you're stating that we are inferior when we are trying to avoid wars. We're trying to be enlightened. We're trying to connect with, with right. the, let's call it the galactic brotherhood, if you will. Your do you see where I'm coming from?
2: never join no... Uh, Intergalactic United Nations because you're not evolved enough. Look at the history of war on this planet. Go back through your history. It's not war. You I think I going. want to consider myself as being of a species that is warlike? No way. I've tried to many times because I not any human in me. But
1: That's we serious. cannot I'm not But we cannot generalize, Commander, is what I'm trying to say. There there may be a minority on this planet that is different. Pardon?
2: People generalize about my people. That's wrong.
1: But once again, you're generalizing. You're saying that everybody feels that way. You're talking to me here. Most people that listen to our show and will be listening to you tonight are on your side. They understand you. You cannot put a blanket statement out there saying that I, Mel, my listener audience, we are all warlords. We love war. We love disease. We love to to be conniving. That's not the case. We are the exception to the rule. That's why a few people in this world are probably thinking like us. And I want you to address those. I don't want you to address the rest. We are the, let's call it the significant few. The rest might be the insignificant many. Focus on the significant few who may probably make a difference. Hopefully, this interview will change in tone after I just said what I said.
0: Thank you for listening to the first segment of this very important interview. To listen to the rest, go to VeritasRadio.com and subscribe. You will receive your login immediately. We'll take a short intermission, listen to some music, and we'll be right back. Enjoy. Enjoy. <music>
2: Clifford Stone, U.S. Army Retired, and you're listening to The Very Test Show.